Hello, and welcome to the Whiteboard Basketball Podcast, the place to go for analysis of last week's Magic Games and insight on the future of the franchise from the perspective of real fans. I'm Cole, and on the phone from Philly is Ian, and let's jump right into it. Hello, Magic fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Whiteboard Basketball Podcast, live from Jacksonville, Florida, and Charlotte, North Carolina. Cole and Ian back again with another episode for you today. Ian, I'm going to throw it to you. We've got the Orlando Magic 3-7 and seven since our last recording. Kind of a tough stretch, but uh, in my opinion, not too bad of a stretch. Um, was there any one game, maybe two games, that stood out to you among the last 10 that uh, you, know, you noticed anything major that you want to bring up uh, for the Magic over our last 10 games? Yeah, definitely the definitely the um definitely the Jazz game. That was a that was a big win. You and I were talking kind of right before we started to record about um you know how Cole Anthony went off in that one and looked really really good. Um in the 107-100 win, 33 points that game for him. Um so I that that one stood out to me. Uh you know, the other thing that, that was really big in that game uh, Wendell Carter coming in leading the team in point I'm sorry in rebounds and assists that to me was um, that to me was big I think that that you know that, that was a game where where this team sort of um, you know really pulled it together you know the problem with this team and I don't want to say this in a derogatory way but I, you know well I mean whatever right I guess here's the thing with this team, and, and here's what I'm realizing is it's not so much the lack. It's not so much a lack of talent. I mean, sure they probably don't have like you know the most talent in the NBA on this roster right now, but it's not really a lack of talent. It's a lack of consistency, right? It's it's the fact that they are struggling to. It, they they are struggling to find consistency. Uh, because they can put games together and they can put games together in short stretches. I mean, um, I'm trying to remember what the game was the other night um, where they actually looked okay for the first, I think it was the, uh, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, it might have been the, the Nets game been the, where we were up Hawks. 19 most recently. Oh, yeah, it could have been the Hawks game. It was the Hawks game as well. Yeah, it was a Hawks game as well, where we were playing pretty well, you know, and we, we were in the game, and then there were a few minutes there, right there to, I believe it was to start the fourth quarter, that was just, it, it was just terrible, you know, um, and, and that killed us. So, those are kind of the two games that stood out to me, one because of a good win, one because of a, of a loss that should have been a win, um, but, you know, that that's kind of where I'm at with this team. What about you? Yeah, for me, that Jazz game was big time because that was Cole Anthony, the closer. You know, whenever he is crossing over from right to left, he really creates a ton of space behind the three-point line, and he was absolutely making those guys on the Jazz pay. I mean, he uh, was absolutely incredible in that game, 10 points in the fourth quarter. Um, basically was going one-on-one with Donovan Mitchell and cooked him all night long. Uh, it was really incredible. Um, you know, the rest of the team, okay. You know, uh, obviously Wendell 22 and 15 and getting that done against Rudy Gobert, you know, that's big time. Knocked down, uh, you know, four threes 
as well. You know, really pitching in. That This was a night where we absolutely did not have the human torch. You know, Terrence Ross, 2 of 12 um, in that game. He was absolutely brutal. But, you know, I, I think this is where I almost want to transition into talking about R.J. Hampton because I believe R.J. played the entire fourth quarter of that game. I think Wendell and R.J. played the entire fourth quarter of that game. I can tell you, R.J. Hampton looked like an absolute beast out there. Somehow only took four shots, but I'm pretty sure he took all four of them in the fourth quarter and had all eight of his points in the fourth quarter. He stuffed the stat sheet basically exclusively in the fourth quarter. He played, what, 12 minutes there, seven minutes the rest of the game. Uh, his defense was incredible. His playmaking was incredible. And I can tell you, I don't know what this guy's shooting from three, but on passes from Cole Anthony from three... He's shooting 100%, guaranteed. I mean, every time Cole Anthony finds this guy in the corner, he's knocking it down. I literally have not seen him miss one shot from Cole Anthony. I've been watching the past three games. Every pass from Cole Anthony where he's open in the corner, he knocks it down 100% of the time so far in the last three games uh, after I noticed that against the Jazz. So uh, I'm really excited about RJ. Um you know, he's really stepped up. I guarantee you he's been listening to the podcast when we gave him an F last time. <laughs> uh, he's stepped up big time on the offensive end, on the defensive end. Um, you know, what what have you seen from RJ these past few games? Like, uh, you know, what have you noticed honestly, from him? Yeah, honestly, for me, these last few games, it's just been consistency, right? Um, so if you go back and you, you look at, uh, let me see here. Let me pull it up. If you go back and you look at the Nets game, and I want to go back and take a look at the box score because I don't remember what his numbers were, but he just looked consistent in that game. As in, excuse me, he just looked consistent in that game. As in, like, you look at him and you go, okay, yeah, right. I mean, you know, that game was a game where uh, Hampton just looks consistent, right? He played good defense. That doesn't show up in a box score. He only had seven points and four rebounds, but he was three for three, right? He got to the rim a few times, um, you know, and, and, and that to me was, was impressive, right? Um, you know, it's just been, it's been the consistency. It's been whatever, uh, coach Mosley needs him to do. He's been there for, um, I've always been excited about this kid. I was excited about this kid when we got him last year, uh, from Denver and um, you know in that regard right I just I'm I'm, ho I'm happy for him I, you know I think that uh, he still needs some time to develop uh, because as we've talked about you know he's kind of like the odd bad out um, especially excuse me he's kind of the odd man out you know especially once Markel comes back but you know uh, right now it's um it's rocking and rolling I mean he's he's playing really well and so that's my big thing. It's just the consistency. Yeah, that's kind of what you get sometimes with these young players. You know, you might see the flashes, but there's just, you know, maybe they give you 30 minutes of good basketball, but then it's 18 minutes of, you know, rookie ball again, where it's yeah. just horrendous turnovers, you know, bad shots, turn the ball over at the absolute worst time, you know, just losing your guy on a back cut once or twice a game, and that kind of stuff can really add up. And, you know, obviously it has added up for us three and seven in our last ten, but, you know, the flashes for me are what have really stood out. And I think the key thing where we know R.J. Hampton is a whiteboard basketball podcast listener, 
I'm telling you, you know, all I talk about with Mo Bamba is getting his fucking arms in the air. You know, when he's playing defense, get your fucking arms in the air. You're tall as shit. Hold him up in the air, and that's it. That's all I want to see. I can tell you, RJ Hampton, I don't think he was doing this last year. Maybe I'll have to go back and check the tape. But lately, he's doing this thing where every time he's on defense, he's holding his arms out sideways, full wingspan, clogging up all the passing lanes, and he's had quite a few steals, and he's also forced quite a few bad passes leading to steals for other players on the team. I mean, he's got an unbelievably huge wingspan for a guard, and he's really creating some problems on the defensive end for the other team, just being, like, fucking big as shit out there, you know? Especially playing against backup point guards. He's just wreaking a lot of havoc out there on the defensive end. It's been pretty exciting to see. Um, you know... Still shooting 46% from three, only 2.6 attempts a game, but his minutes are not very high, so I'd be interested to see what he's shooting um, per 36. Um, for me, I'd really like to see him get a few more minutes. Um, you know, some of these games, he's only getting 10, 12 minutes. I'm not exactly sure what's happening there. Um, to me, I think the key moving forward is we've got to get this guy some more minutes. You know, we've got to get him out there. Um... Michael Carter-Williams is coming back soon. You know, this is a guy who, in the last month, you know, since November 1st, 60% true shooting. You know, league average is 56. This guy is scoring the basketball, and he's doing it efficiently. He's playing big-time defense. He's one of our only players with a positive net rating for the month, you know, 3-7. and seven. So it kind of shows you, I mean, this guy, you know, he's out there, and when he's out there, we're a, a positive lineup, you know. So I'd like to see a little bit more R.J. Hampton going forward. He's really jumped off the page of this past month to me as a guy who needs some more minutes, needs some more opportunities, you know, almost, you know, better than Jalen Suggs. You know, you'd almost rather see him out there than Jalen if you're trying to win games. Um, that's probably going a little bit too far, but I would like to see a little bit more R.J. Hampton. Yeah, Look, I think it's coming. I think, you know, the one thing, you know, you and I were talking about this before we got on, right? People have been kind of complaining all year, not all year, but people have been complaining complaining about um, about some of the lineups that Mosley's been putting out there. And, you know, I, I look, I still think he's trying to figure it all out. You know, who knows? I, I could see RJ being, you know, a, a key part of the second rotation. Um, excuse me, end of the day. Um, you know, I could see him being a, a key part of the second rotation, maybe starting, um, you know, in some situations. I, I always like to say maybe on, on stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, look, I, he does need some more minutes. I think he'll get them, um, especially if he keeps playing like the way he's been playing. You know, if we can start to get to the point where we kind of understand what we get out of RJ and what he gives us, he gives it to us consistently, consistently, um, that will be, that'll be incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely too early. We're not even at the quarter point of the season to be complaining about the rotations, um, you know, in any meaningful way. I, I just, you know, some of these games, you know, when he's playing nine minutes out there, it's like. I just feel like you need to get him a minimum of 15, you know, give him three stints out there at the minimum. 
Uh, if he's killing you, he's killing you. But to me, you look at, you know, who's been our worst player this past month that's actually played in, like, you know, every game, basically, has been Gary Harris. I mean, I don't know what grade we gave him. I don't remember. But I can tell you I'm altering it to an F because he has been absolutely atrocious in every single game that we've played. I mean, he literally does not have one single good game in the past month for us. He, of the guys who actually are playing, has by far the worst net rating at a minus 26 and by far the lowest true shooting at 36%, a full 20% below league average. He has been absolutely worthless in all aspects of the game, just uh, besides turnovers, I guess. I mean, he literally cannot shoot at all. He's killing us shooting the basketball. He's not playing any defense. I, I really don't know what he's doing out there. Uh, shooting 16% from three and 32% from the floor. Uh, you know, not rebounding the ball at all. I mean, he's a guard, so whatever. But he's not getting any steals. He's turning the ball over. Uh, for me, Gary Harris, uh, this guy is like Jonathan Simmons 2.0, you know? So if we're giving this guy, you know, 22 minutes a game and, and RJ Hampton 18.4, I'm saying, you know, we need to see RJ out there a little bit more than Gary Harris, you know, substantially more than Gary Harris. Yeah, I mean, I'll buy that. You know, I think, um, let's see, I'm trying to pull up, like, here we go. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, I buy that. You know, I think, um, I don't just keep saying I buy that, but I do, right? It's, it's, it's kind of simple. I think RJ's really kind of stepped into his own. I think what's going to be interesting though, and this is something that's that's a true, that's a point that I'm 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 gonna stand by here. It's going to be really interesting to see. Um, you know, because look, Gary Harris, Gary Harris has done at the end of this year. I, I don't, I doubt we're gonna resign him. Um, so it'll be that that's gonna open a roster spot, right? And one thing that I'm gonna be curious to see is, I think Cole Anthony is kind of personally, I think Cole has kind of cemented himself as a as a um, as a guy who's going to get solid minutes. For sure. In, in the rotation, right? And so my question is going to be it, for next season and, and really later into the as, as the season progresses, you know, are we going to start to see RJ take some of those? Um, you know, because somebody's going to have to step up and it's probably going to be a combination of RJ and Jalen, um, you know, in, you know, taking those 22 minutes. So it'll be interesting to see what that mix is between those two guys as Gary kind of takes a step back. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see, like, how soon are we going to pull the trigger here, like, pulling the plug on Gary Harris and T. Ross? You know, I mean, I get T. Ross, he gives you the human torch game every once in a while. Um, and so that's fine. You know, you've got to go through the highs and the lows with him. But Gary Harris... I mean, this guy's been a human wet paper napkin out there. I mean, just ice cold every game, just pouring water on the fire of every single player out there. He's been absolutely awful. I mean, just killing you every stretch of the game. Um, you look at some of the advanced stats, by far the worst plus minus on this team. Mo Bamba actually sneaky, really bad as well, which is kind of interesting. Um, 
Well, he's probably sharing a lot of minutes on the second unit with Gary Harris is what's dragging him down because he's also part of like the best starting lineup in the NBA. So right. I'm going to, I'm going to give Gary the blame there. Um, but yeah, I, I think to me, the key going forward, you know, for our next 10 games, I want to see less Gary Harris, you know, almost want to treat him like a Wessel Wundu type player, you know, DNP coach's decision, you know, should be an automatic vote for, uh, you know, coach of the year, uh, for coach Mosley, in my opinion, and, uh, a little bit more minutes for RJ Hampton for me is, uh, what I'm looking for. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying about when are we going to pull the plug on him and, uh, T Ross, I think the thing, I think the big thing with with the two of them, is I don't think you're gonna see the plug really get pulled. Um, excuse me. I don't think you're gonna see the plug really get pulled, uh, unless they decide they no longer want to be like the mentor crowd, because this team needs veterans, right? And I don't care how badly Gary Harris is playing, he is a solid veteran in this league. And if you pull him from this roster, if you pull him and, and uh you know, you pull him and say T Ross, now you've got even more young guys competing for roster spots, um, and minutes and um you know, stardom and recognition and all that sort of thing. So in that regard, right, I, I think that um that's when we'll get rid of them. And Gary's probably still in. Pro, Gary, while may while he may not be playing well, is probably do, still doing some good things over there on the bench. But uh, it's it's kind of time that he uh, you know gets in the game. Yeah, one guy who who I do want to give another shout out to. You know, the first uh, you know seven eight games of the season, Cole Anthony. We were all hyped for him. You know, had an incredible start to the season. Has cooled down a little bit efficiency wise you know, the past month, but, you know, you kind of look at the volume that this guy has had to put up, you know, he's putting up 17.6 shots a game, which isn't absolutely, like, disgustingly bad, you know, I mean, it's not like he's a Russell Westbrook out there, you know, he, he's had some games with, where he's taken and missed a lot of shots, I think he had a 3 for 21 the other night, um, shooting under 40% from the floor, uh, has cooled off a little bit from three, shooting at 33%. But you do look at the true shooting of a goal Anthony, and you see him in there at 53.7%. League average, again, 56%. But from guards, uh, it, it is skewed. You know, big guys are going to have better than average true shooting just because all they do is dunk and layups. Guards generally slightly below. And so you think Cole Anthony on a terrible team, forced into taking a lot of bad shots out there. He's still giving you 20 a game, and he's doing it at 53.7%. You'd like to see that come up a little bit, but I think in terms of a second-year player who's giving you 21.1 points and 6.3 assists, uh, I'll take the slightly less-than-ideal efficiency from Cole Anthony. To me, he's looked you know, still like an absolute star out there, especially you know, in the clutch. When we have the opportunity to close games out and win, he's out there making the big play, you know? And that has really stood out to me and opened the door a little bit further to a potential Cole Anthony all-star berth somewhere down the line in his career, you know? 
And that, to me, is one of the big takeaways I've had in the last 10. You know, despite the struggles, still putting up big-time numbers and looking like a star. Yeah. Which, by the way, I, for our uh, uh, loyal fan base and audience out there, I want to clarify something. So Cole came to visit me a few weeks ago, and one of the things that Cole and I have gone back and forth about is – you know, saying something like, you, you know, and, and, and you guys have all heard this, where I, I'll say something like, you know, Cole, tell me that, you know, RJ Hampton isn't going to be an all-star, like, right now, right, um, at some point in his career. And Cole would always be like, well, you know, he's a backup, right? And I used to, like, get on Cole about that. But clarification incoming here, folks. Cole doesn't mean that's their floor. I'm sorry, Cole doesn't mean that's their ceiling. Cole means that's their floor. So we, 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 we figured this out the other night uh, over, a, over a few beers where, you know, when I say, like, tell me he's not an all-star, Cole will say, well, he's a backup point guard, meaning he's at least a backup point guard. Yeah, this is what we were talking about where Ian's like, you know, you can't tell me that uh, RJ Hampton isn't going to be an all-star, you know? And I was like, well, I, don't, I mean, you could say you can't tell me anything about anyone, you know? I prefer what can right. I tell you, you know? And so I'm saying, based on what we've seen, I can tell you for sure that Cole Anthony is going to be at least a high-quality backup point guard, you know? And, and, like, so to me, I would rather know that to be able to plan forward on this team, you know? Where, like, uh, let's say in this upcoming draft there's a big-time point guard prospect, you know, number one overall, and we get the number one pick, you know, would you, if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, maybe you don't want to make that pick because you've got John Morant, you know, because it's like, well, you know this guy's going to be an all-star for sure, guaranteed. Cole Anthony, do you not take him because you have Cole Anthony? I think you go ahead and take him. I mean, there isn't going to be a guard in this year's draft, but, you know, whatever. Um, But, like, to me, that's why I want to know you at least, you can count on this guy to give you you know, at least something where, um, you know, I guess sometimes that can be a miscommunication to me from what we've seen from Cole Anthony. I mean, guaranteed he's going to be at least a DJ Augustine type player, you know, where it's like, um, maybe he's got some flashes, but really he's a backup point guard, you know? Um, but I think, you know, like I've said, these past few games, the, the first 17 games of the season here for him, I mean, he's showing some serious star upside, you know, what's the percent chance he gets there? I don't know. But to me, it's kind of interesting where at least you see the, you know, the the ceiling is high. Or maybe you can't even see the ceiling. Where for me, like a Franz Wagner, where you look at his, um, you know, his games, you say, well, this guy, he's going to be at least a good uh, 3 and D wing. But I, I think that's almost the max for him, you know, because he's not necessarily creating off the dribble for himself. Everything's assisted for him. Um, but, uh, you know, again... Only 10 games, you know, only 17 games his career. I don't think you could necessarily lock that in where Cole Anthony with the two seasons, I think it's a little bit more clear. Um, but, you know, that's kind of what I prefer to go off of is what can you say about someone? See, and that's that's a really fair point, right? Like I always thought Cole was saying, and Cole, I always thought you were saying like, oh, like he's a high-level backup. That's his, that's his ceiling right and so that's like that's a fair way of thinking about it like what can you you know what can you tell me um uh, you know telling you know i I, like i said i thought you were saying more like you know um 
you know, telling me he's a high-level backup is the same as me telling you that he is, you know, Cole Anthony's an all-star one day, right? Because we don't know what the rest of this guy's career is going to be. But we do know that he's got the potential to at least be a high-level backup. We agree on that. And I think he'll be more, but, you know, I, I don't know. I can't say. Yeah, I mean, I think when you say, you know, when you say, well, you can't, when I go on your say, you know, you can't tell me. I think it's it would be fair to say that I I can tell you that Mo Bamba is not going to be an all star in his career, you know, and I, I think, but I don't think that you can tell me that Cole Anthony won't be an all star, you know. Right. I I don't know if if it's like oh it's a seventy percent chance, you know, but I mean it's like hey there's at least a ten percent chance maybe or five percent chance, right? You know, and that's pretty right. exciting. The flashes are there. Yeah, the flashes are absolutely there. You look at his numbers for the whole season, he's actually scoring a little bit more, um, you know, which you kind of see where for the whole season he's given you 16 shots and 19.6 points, where lately he's given you two extra shots and, and two extra points, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's still giving you, uh, you know, 55% true shooting on the season, a tick below league average, but again, He's a guard on a bad team. That number is going to be lower. He's still giving you 37% from three on the season. So maybe he was a little hot at the beginning. Maybe he's a little cold now. If it bounces out to what he's giving you right now, um, I'd be incredibly happy with what he's done. Cole Anthony is back, you know, uh, opening the ceiling uh, of his career so far this season. I've been really thrilled. Um, I think moving forward... You know, we can transition in our next 10 games. You know, is there one thing, you know, two things that you're going to want to look for? You know, we might make this a short episode, I guess, since it hasn't been exactly the most exciting last 10 games. Um, you know, what do you think is going to be the key here in our upcoming schedule? I'll, I'll pull the schedule up. Um, we're at the Bucks tonight. Uh, little two-game homestand, Hornets-Bulls at the Cavs, at the 76ers, and that is going to close us out for November. So we'll, we'll, we'll do our next five. So at Bucks, home against the Hornets, home against the Bulls, at the Cavs, at 76ers. What are you looking for in the next five games so that we can come home with hopefully at least one win there? I mean, I'm looking for two wins, right? Like that, that to me will be somewhat of a success. Um, Here's what I want. I mean, I'm ho- I think I'm hoping for two wins. I think we need at least one, right? Probably against the Cavs. Um, but in the next five, I want to see us. Like really, I want to see us in the game till the end, right? I want to see us put together complete games. And what I mean by that is this, like. Like let's say let's say we just like don't shoot super well, right? Or well, I guess I'm gonna put this way. So say we lose to the Bulls. Say we lose to the Bulls by two. Okay. Like I just want to see us it be in that game the whole time. As in, we are like right there, and then you know maybe we make one or two mistakes right at the very end, but we've been there the whole game. What I don't want to see. What I really don't want to see is where, you know, we're up by four going into the fourth quarter and we come out, you know, flatter than a three-day-old soda, right? 
and like that's the game you know in the first three in the first four minutes of, of the fourth quarter the first three minutes of the first quarter so i'm looking to avoid that and the more we can, can the more we can avoid that moving forward i think the better we'll be yeah i agree i i think um to me you know, I, I don't think there's any way we beat the Bucks. They fucking kill us every single time we play them. Hornets have been red hot. Um, you know, ten and eight, fifth place in the East. Uh, you know, Lamelo's pretty tough. I, I think we could play them tough at home. That we've got a shot in that one. The Bulls, first place in the East. I mean, they've been absolutely scorching hot. Uh, Zach Levine playing like an absolute animal. You know, they're they're two big time guard pickups. I guess three. DeRozan's been really good in addition to Caruso and, and Lonzo Ball. I mean, they've basically transformed that team. Um, they've looked incredible. Uh, you know, to me, kind of a buzzsaw situation there at home. Um, that could get pretty ugly. The Cavs, six consecutive games scoring under 100 points. I think that might be a win. Um, you know, in Cleveland, Mobley out injured, uh, Sexton out injured. You know, you consider that, you know, basically the Isaac and Fultz of that team should be a pretty even matchup. Um, that, that to me, I'd really like to see us get a win there. Um, at the 76ers, Joel Embiid probably going to be back in that game. Um, you know, that could, that could be a tough game on the road, but, you know, we'll see. For me, I'm looking for at least a 1-4. and four. I'd like to see us get that win against the Cavs. They've been absolutely atrocious. I mean, really just a disgrace to basketball up there. Um <laughs> And, and, you know, get a win. Because to me, uh, and this is, we're going to go off on a quick tangent about another Orlando Magic podcast, the Sixth Man Show. Um, they've got three guys on there. They, they put together a fantastic podcast, really entertaining. Um, they're talking about if you want to tank this year, one of their guys was saying you can't cheer for any wins right now. You know, when we beat the Jazz, I don't want to see you clapping your hands and cheering if at the end of the year you're rooting for us to tank and get a good draft pick, you know, and he's saying all the wins count the same, blah, 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 blah. You know, if you want to tank, you've got to be in tanking the whole year. To me, I disagree. You know, if you're coming out and you're winning one out of every five games, you know, you're basically taking care of business in terms of the tank, in my opinion, you know, it's not that big of a friggin' deal. And to me, once you're still alive, you know, this is the beginning of the season. Everyone's fresh. You know, theoretically, everyone's healthy. Obviously, we're not healthy. Your spirits are high. It's a new coach. You got all the young guys coming out, firing on all cylinders. You get a couple extra wins that maybe you shouldn't get at the beginning of the season. That's totally fine. You know, you've got to keep the guys engaged, happy, having a good time. It's getting good team wins at the beginning of the season is good. Once the team has been eliminated from the playoffs, and there's no fucking point in being out there anymore. You know, you've got injuries. You trade away some vets, maybe. Maybe T. Ross is gone. Maybe Gary Harris is gone. You know, who who the hell else knows is going to be on this team. That is when you need to go into serious tank mode. You know, that's when you start breaking out right. the Brasdikas. That's when R.J. Hampton is playing 35 minutes a night. You know, that's when the losses really matter, in my opinion. So... I don't think it's hypocritical for me to be rooting for a big-time win at Cleveland this week, but also want to, you know, whatever we're going to say, tank for Chet, we've got to come up with, like, a good alliteration for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you, you know where my you know where I stand on it. I don't believe in tanking at all. Um, even if you like last year, you know, we we disagreed on some wins, and you argued like, "Wow, these wins fucked us because we could have been four in the draft instead of five. Uh, and I would argue it didn't end up mattering. It it helped us. I mean, we we wanted Suggs one way or the other, right? So, um, who gives a shit? Um, but I get your point, right? Um, where had you know the Raptors taken him, you know, it would have been different. But but my point back to you is I don't believe in tanking at all, right? Because I I think it sets a bad, um, it set it sets a bad precedent for your team. And for these guys in their careers. I mean, as you and I have talked before, I think one of the things that we did, like, look, I think I still, I will go to my grave believing that Aaron Gordon could be, could have been a superstar in this league. Like, truly a superstar. Like, like multiple-time all-star. Um, maybe one of the top, I don't know, 10, 15 players in, in the league. Um, but I think the number one thing we did that fucked up his career was we got him here, and then we're like, okay, we're just going to lose. <laughs> right and we we actively decided to lose for two or three years by playing him or not playing him or whatever you want to say and it it completely screwed us it screwed his development it screwed what we're doing um so no it was not good it was not good yeah i don't know i guess we can uh we can hammer that out i guess later in the season once we're uh we're trying to hone in on you know hopefully second best record um you know the the Rockets. Honestly, we've got what four or five wins right now. That's too many for the friggin' Rockets. I mean, they're looking so bad; it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, it really is just a disgrace. Every time you turn on the television and they're on the court, I mean, it's really horrible. I, I think they're gonna fire their coach after one year, and honestly, it might not be soon enough. Um, <laughs> although to be fair, their roster is so disgustingly bad. Like, I, I feel bad for that guy. You know, he's coming in to coach James Harden and try and win a championship and then all of a sudden blows up in his face and they're literally one of the worst, you know, rosters to ever step foot on the floor of an NBA court. It's really embarrassing. But, uh, you know, tough for uh, Steven Silas. Uh, I think he's going to just get a quick hook for him. I wouldn't mind bringing him on board the coaching staff just, you know, to help him out a little bit. But um, I, I think this is going to do it for us. Uh, Ian, do you have any last points you, you want to jump in on? No, no, not on basketball. Uh, somebody told me today that, uh, their model wasn't messed up. Reality was, um, just a quick little, little work story there to talk about, uh, uh, how people think about how they fall in love with their models. And then, uh, you know, we don't, we don't all they, right. they get they get delusional. So, all right. Well, anyway. actually, uh, I'll jump in with one thing. Um, just the five thirty eight projections. They have us at uh, twenty three and fifty nine, fourteenth in the East, and uh, I believe fourth worst overall. Uh, seven games ahead of the Rockets. They've got the Rockets going on an absolute tear, finishing the season like 15 and 40 or something like that because they've got one win right now they're projecting them for 16 that seems absolutely insane to me but they've got the pistons five games better than the rockets the thunder one more win us one more win than them next worst team the kings 10 more wins than us so they've got us kind of in uh our own little tier of shittiness so uh 
you know, we'll have to see what goes on uh, the rest of the season. I think we're actually might be on track to uh, pass that 23, um, but we'll have to see. So I guess yeah. that's going to do it for us, uh, you know, with our trusty 538 projections. We are going to get the hell out of here, get this thing edited, and uh, we email us at whiteboardbasketballpod at gmail.com, ratings, reviews, comments. Have a good one, everyone, and enjoy basketball.